Okay. Hi. Hi, Kendall. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Playdate, the podcast. And I'm real excited today because Kendall is an amazing, amazing woman. And, and um, she's just an awesome human being who is also an international activist on the prevention of child sexual abuse, a clinical educator on how to best innovate treatment for a complex PTSD, and a professionally trained artist who believes deeply in the practice of play. So Kendall, thanks so much for being here today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm in from Chicago. Yes, <laughs> Chicago. Yeah, and it's, it's wonderful. You know, I love connecting. I'm always connecting with people. I'm so happy to connect with you. I'm so happy to share my story and my knowledge today and, um, you know, reach reach out to people in New York and around the world. And speaking of which, we, we met through an amazing um, person, Kyla, in Korea. So it's just, just amazing to connect with just so many amazing women doing um, wonderful things in the world. So thank you for having me. I agree. I totally agree. It's a, such a great time to be alive. Like, yeah. <laughs> Things are shifting. Things are happening. And you, I mean, how long have you been doing this work? How long have you been an activist and an educator? You know, I would say probably since around maybe 2013 is when I started. I got invited to speak at um, a university in Los Angeles and um, have just been speaking and speaking ever since. So (laughs) that's awesome. And so I'd love if you could start off by just filling people in on, you know, statistics globally around child sexual abuse and also what the long-term mental health consequences are. Yeah. So again, you know, because I'm trauma-informed, you know, I do realize that there are listeners that might have been affected by child sexual abuse. And I just want everybody who's listening, um, whether they've been affected or know somebody, just to, you know, be mindful in your body, take a deep breath. If you feel yourself overwhelmed, you know, definitely be mindful and, and reach out for help. And, you know, when I when I tell my story and I do clinical education, the point is not to traumatize people, it's to educate people. So I just want everyone um, to be mindful and, and celebrate everybody for their their bravery and courage to listen um, about these these social things that we really need to address and change to protect children but unfortunately um, statistically this does happen to one in four girls that's 25 percent of the global female population by the time they reach the age of 18 this is happening to one in six boys um, around the world before they reach the age of 18 so child sexual abuse is affecting um, children in just large large numbers and every socioeconomical you know it just it reaches everybody around the world and unfortunately um, this is something we do not talk about and I think you know we're at a point in mental health right now I think mental health is almost kind of hot in a way right I think there's a lot of wonderful discussions about suicide prevention and, and mental illness but we're really not talking about um, the traumas that in a lot of cases in inorganic mental illness um, is caused by um, trauma in, which includes child sexual abuse and you know it's you talking about long-term mental health effects I mean if you can kind of conceptualize how many people um, just here in the United States suffer from some f- form of addiction, depression, anxiety, eating disorders are very, very common in this population. And so if we group all those people together, that's quite a quite a large group of people. And if we compare it to 
you know, the statistics and numbers with um, child sexual abuse, we, we call that CSA in this world, but um, it's just really a linear comparative. It, it, there's parallels there. And I think uh, we're scrambling to find the answers for a lot of mental health ailments. And, you know, the root cause of that we're not talking about. I think if we can be um, courageous and really have those discussions, we can really address um, addiction, eating disorder, and, you know, really um, decrease things like suicide that's happening in large numbers around the world. We're losing, you know, 800,000 people globally or, or more to suicide, you know, every year. So, you know, the long-term mental health consequences of this are really complex. There's, you know, I would say, you know, a unique configuration of symptomology for CSA survivors is um, anxiety, avoidance, depression, complex PTSD, and um, what I would refer to as comorbid addiction, right? So it's not really the eating disorders or the addiction. It's we use those things to numb us of the PTSD symptomology that is sometimes just really hard to process and feel. So that is unfortunately, the long-term mental health consequences of these crimes against children. Mm. And how can victims turn, transform themselves into survivors? Or I like the term sur- survivor then to sur- thriver. <laughs> I like it. I like <laughs> survivor. I, I like um, that. Survivor. So, um, you know, what does that process entail? And, you know, if someone is listening and say they are starting their journey or they're just curious to know more about like, how can we move the dial forward around this and um, start to make shifts? Yeah, well, I think, you know, when you're a young child and you're abused, and you know, a lot of these children, it's not a one time offense, it's a multiple time offense. And sometimes people have multiple perpetrators. And what that teaches a child is that, you know, they aren't loved or they aren't, you know, their self-esteem really decreases. And we internalize those actions and, 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 and develop core beliefs that we are bad or we're wrong or we perpetuated it. And um, when you do some education on child sexual abuse and you start to dig into therapy and um, do CBT and, and thought patterns and you recognize kind of the core um, symptomology and that, you know, I think to turn from a, a a victim into a survivor is really, for me, it was self-education. You know, when I had started my recovery, I um, had really bad bulimia. I was a cutter and I just, you know, I really convinced myself I was just crazy for so many years. And then as I started to read literature and textbooks about the symptomology um, that happens after pediatric trauma, I was just reading and every line on every book was me. And what I realized through that process was that I was not crazy. I was just a, a clinical textbook example of what these um, adult survivors present like clinically later in life. And I think in order to transfer from a victim into a survivor, I think it was a, a few elements. I think it was um, education on pediatric trauma, realizing that I wasn't crazy and that I was actually Um, a normal person that went through abnormal experiences and I was having um, very common symptoms. I think joining support groups and meeting other people that let me feel less alone in my lived human experience. And I think having a voice, I think when children are young and they're told to keep a secret and, you know, I do clinical trainings, but I often say, you know, these are the secrets that are um, making our society sick. And I think when you don't keep those secrets and you're liberated and you have a voice and you can become an activist and help, help serve your community, I think that's where survivorship comes into play. And, you know, something I like to say all the time is, you know, Um, My own survivorship was never a selfish pursuit. It's about putting the oxygen mask on myself and then placing it onto the survivor um, beside me. And I think 
um, when you educate yourself and you heal yourself and you create purpose in suffering and you serve your community and you use your voice on behalf of not just your story, but the stories of many children around the world, I think that's how you transform from a victim into a survivor. And I think the ability to um, celebrate your inner child every day and just really applaud yourself for all, all of you gone through, all of you accomplished. And I, I, think, that's, I think that's what it means to really um, not just survive, but thrive. So mm, that's so beautiful. I love that. And you so live that path uh, very beautifully. What are um, the best resources you know of, um, you know, for support, like, yeah, any resources that are your favorite or ones that you like to direct people to? Yeah, so that's a really broad question. Do you have 36 hours? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe so like your top three or something. <laughs> yeah. So as far as resources, you know, it, it's interesting. It's, you know, all this work I did, all this therapy, you know, I was in treatment centers and read every book and went to support groups around the country. And I've also run support groups and I've met and conversed with, you know, survivors from around the world. I um, started Blooming Horizons support groups years ago. And, you know, I, there's so many, it's interesting. I, I have become kind of an expert in this field in a sense. And so um, sometimes I joke that I am a broker of resources because I've just accumulated um, so much <laughs> knowledge on this. And so I think it depends on um, if a survivor calls me and what they're struggling with. I think some people just want to um, be heard and have their story heard and um, validated in their in their suffering. And I think um, education is wonderful. I think support groups are great. But I, I think as far as resources, I mean, um, certainly it depends on what state somebody's in, what country somebody is, you know, is in. I'm right. linked in with an international group of um, survivors that are doing similar work to me. And, you know, we have a phone list and um, we definitely can provide resources um, around the world to people in different countries. Um, and we're just all linked in. I mean, there's wonderful people running support groups around the world. I think that's a fantastic resource. If anybody's listening to this and is curious on joining a support group anywhere in the world, please, you know, email me at bloominghorizons at gmail.com. I'm happy to connect you with that community. But, um, you know, another tool for me was really, again, I think just self-education. I have got a, a list of books on my website that really helped me in my own recovery. And I think reading books was an amazing tool because I just read myself on every page. And I think, you know, I think when it comes to suicide prevention and the prevention of, um, you know, feeling isolated, I think even just reading somebody else's story um, makes you feel less alone. It makes you feel like you can exist in this world and that you belong and that your experience has been experienced by others. And knowing that you're not crazy and you're just a textbook example of, of what these children go through. So I think, you know, for me, I think building community through support groups, I think reading um, books, I think finding a well-versed therapist, it can be kind of tricky to navigate. I think there's a lot of therapists that are not um, very well versed in the complex trauma and how to really process that with um, a patient, but they are out there and you, you can find them. So I just think um, building community, um, great books are out there and going to support groups and finding, you know, a competent, well-trained um, doctor in um, clinical care for complex PTSD. And so if anybody has um, any questions, they are certainly welcome to email me at bloominghorizons.com. Amazing. Or, I'm sorry, through that website. Yeah, that's amazing. And we'll definitely post that website um, in the show notes so that people can connect with you. And I could see that even being like 
um, this is just me, my creative self, like, oh, like even just a list of questions that people can ask to interview a therapist. Yeah, um, absolutely. To make sure that they actually do have the passion. I mean, I think, you know, obviously most therapists are trained, but you want to make sure that they have the passion to really hold space for, um, you know, PTSD or complex PTSD, which is- Yeah, not not just the passion, but education in dissociative symptoms and trauma processing. Absolutely. And, and, and recognizing complex trauma, if it's not being verbalized, it's coming out in other symptomologies with the comorbid um, uh, symptoms. So- so yeah, and it's, you know, you can go on psychology today and a lot of people will say they specialize in 10 different things. Well, that's pretty broad. And I think just pinning down um, a therapist that's really, really well versed in trauma care is just so, so important. Perfect. So, um, so how did you get into your advocacy? I mean, I know you mentioned it a little bit at the beginning, but what, what sort of led you to be an advocate and, you know, how did you start? I'm always, I always love to ask people about most of the people and the guests that I have on my podcast are people, everyone is someone that's really in the world and they're doing something that's really important to them, really meaningful to them. And yeah. I think that that can also come with a lot of fear and discomfort. So mm-hmm. if there's no. anything you want to share to inspire people that might be also like, I want to be an advocate or I want to do something, you know, yeah. like this and make a difference. Well, How did for, that happen for, for start, yeah, well, starting off, I think if anybody believes in anything, I mean, I always say, you know, I believe in standing up for what's right in this world. And it took me so long to really um, recover. And if I'm going to be on two feet, darn it, I'm going to stand on them doing doing something I believe. And I think that can stand for so many causes, so many passions. I think we all have the ability to um, create positive social change in the world, no matter what it is. But, um, how I got involved in this is, um, I did go through care for a very long time and was in and out of treatment, you know, around the country. I have a very complex, um, case of PTSD. And, you know, what I, what I found through that was that we don't have a lot of, um, competent treaters out there. And it made me feel really alone in my lived human experience. And it created suffering. You know, I felt like I was educating my, um, treaters more than they were actively treating me. And as an educated woman, um, I just thought, wow, like this is an issue. And so I ended up starting to speak at universities back in 2013. I was, I mentioned this before, but I was invited to speak in a university in Los Angeles and was started educating um, future treaters and mental health programs and saying, you know, this is my story. This is kind of a clinical case study on myself. These are my symptoms as a child, and this is how they perpetuated later in life. And really educating um, future treaters on how to show up and sit in the trauma experience um, with their future patients and, and really talking about, you know, the importance of mandated reporting. This is, this is the consequence of not, you know, of not reporting. And so uh, I was invited to speak back in 2013 at a university in California and just started speaking, 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 and just really never stopped. I have spoken in um, jails and hospitals and um, universities. And I just, for me, you know, I never got a day in a courtroom. I never got justice. I, I lost my childhood to this. I lost years in my twenties, um, battling PTSD and, you know, footed the bill, you know, psychologically and financially for these crimes against my body as a child. And I thought, well, what do I do with this now? And, you know, it's, I think as an artist and as an activist, I just believe in um, you, the social responsibility in that, and, you know, this is something I care about passionately. And, you know, I, I don't share my story for people to say, you know, hey, I feel really sorry for you. I mean, I, I share my story so that 
um, it's preventative and it doesn't, it doesn't become another child story, but that is um, how I got involved in, in, in being an activist. So amazing. I love that. Um, and now I know that you also have a podcast. Now you said I'm making the sentence to life podcast with um, Dr. LaHood. Um, do you want to share a little bit about that podcast? And yeah, yeah. So this is, this is really exciting. So you mentioned I'm a visual artist. I've made paintings for many, many years. I've done international artist uh, residencies and kind of paint about my trauma to process it and create dialogue. Also, in addition to being an activist as an artist. So, um, making a podcast is definitely a, a new venture for me because it's not, um, visual it's, it's audio. So that's, um, a really interesting um, format to work in. But um, this summer, I met um, my very good friend, um, Dr. Jason LaHood here in Chicago at a ketamine clinic. I, I am a ketamine um, patient, and I use ketamine um, to um, manage my PTSD now. And it's just been a really um, wonderful treatment. And I could talk about that forever. But um, I did meet him there. And he is a fellow survivor of child sexual abuse. And um, is a podcast super fan and uh, wanted a podcast and I wanted to create a way for me to use my voice on a, on a larger scale. And so um, the Sentence to Life podcast was born. So um, we are launching that on May 13th. Um, it's going to be just a wonderful show. Uh, Dr. LaHood and I are really diving into, you know, our personal stories with child sexual abuse, other complex traumas, and we're going to be interviewing clinical experts, activists, and artists from around the world about complex trauma and recovery from complex trauma. And um, yeah, so that's launching May 13th. And you can follow us at um, Sentence to Life podcast on Instagram or sentence to life podcast.com. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to um, dive into the podcast world. Yes. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm so excited too. And yeah. also I know you all are on uh, Instagram, so I'll make sure to yes, post the link and the Instagram. And lastly, I just want to ask you about um, your passion for play. Like you said, you are a visual artist, you have paintings, and you love to play and you have such a vibrant, playful personality. So what is play for you? Like, what does it mean? And how do you practice it in your daily life? Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, I think that's part of the reason I think Kyla connected us together, our friend in Korea. But, yeah. you know, I just, you know, for starters, I mean, I think you're celebrating me on the show. And I, I really appreciate that celebration. But I'm so happy to um, celebrate you as well. I think that's something I really appreciate about um, the way you navigate life and um, the ability to play and the importance of play. And I think when it comes to the context of child sexual abuse or any child trauma, I think, you know, when you're a child with this much trauma, um, I think you're so busy surviving and being hypervigilant. There's not a lot of room to play. And I think the ability to um, engage your inner child and allow yourself the the space to play as an adult survivor is just so crucial for surviving for me. And um, yeah, I mean, I love, you know, my friends that know me, it's, you know, I think we all have many identities and, you know, I've done clinical education at hospitals and um, I'm, I'm a serious activist, but I'm also a serious clown. I mean, I love, love, love a good laugh. I love, you know, dancing on the street and blowing bubbles and um, making bright paintings and, you know, laughing with my friends because it, 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 it provides a space um a, a sense of freedom. And I think, you know, when you're a child with this much trauma, you're kind of imprisoned in that. And I think um, play really creates a space um, to feel light and free. And so um, that's definitely part of my practice in my life. And um, yeah, I just, I really, I really, I really enjoy it. So. 
you I mean you like you embody it yeah <laughs> you can tell like you really do just embodiment like really being curious and playful and taking on everything in life with that just like lighthearted um perspective which is yeah like you said so beautiful well it's so such a pleasure to have you on I'm so yeah. grateful for the work that you're doing in the world um, and just so grateful for who you are in the world, how you show up and your passion and your playfulness that you bring to a topic, which a lot of people might, you know, categorize as heavy, but like you said, it's necessary that there's, um, conversation because what we don't talk about kind of just stays the same, right? It stays stuck and it doesn't change. So yeah. here's to, um, a world that is a safe world for people, for all beings, children and adults. And, you know, we can um transform into a lighter <laughs> lighter space <laughs> yeah absolutely and I think I think when we approach difficult topics I think that's something um Dr. LaHood and I kind of do well on our podcast is you know it's not a doomsday podcast it's you know light funny we have a few laughs along the way and we really dive into some darker topics too but I think when when you create life light and you create play um, it creates the space for listeners or viewers of artwork to really um, feel like it's safe to approach and feel okay to approach it and then be okay with the content because um, when you create a space for play and trauma it's it's approachable and it creates a sense of safety that allows you um, to come in and do that work so yes I love that. So true. Mm -hmm. Uh, What a beautiful day and a beautiful opportunity to be with you, Kendall. And for listeners, I'll make sure to post all the links and everything and um, your email um, so that if you do have questions, you want to connect with Kendall, you can do that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for all your playfulness, Allison. um, (laughs) I'll fly into New York one day. We'll grab a cup of coffee. I love it. Or next time I'm in Chicago. All right. Take care. Thanks, Allison. Bye. Bye.